Good morning, everyone, and welcome to chapel. My name is Tina Peters, and I'm a senior physics major and Bible religion minor from Yellow Springs, Ohio. I wanted to extend a special welcome to all of our prospective students this morning. I hope you have a good visit. This morning, I'd like to introduce some friends of mine, brothers Richard Gooden and Joshua Van Cleef. They're Franciscan brothers joining us from Catholic Theological Union in Chicago, where they're students. St. Francis of Assisi began the Franciscan order in the 1200s. Francis was so struck by a sermon on Jesus' teachings to the apostles that he decided to vote his entire life to evangelical poverty. He traveled in a rough garment, barefoot, preaching repentance. He soon attracted followers, and he and his brothers lived and traveled together. They were noted for being joyful and full of song, for their earnest teachings, and for their poverty. The Franciscans of today try to live their lives in the spirit of Francis' life and Jesus' teachings. They work in a variety of capacities as students, chaplains, professors, preachers, social activists, writers, missionaries. But they are united as a community of brothers and priests by their devotion to the search for God in a communal life, centered on Jesus' teachings, enacted in poverty, prayer, evangelism, social justice, and service to others. Richard and Joshua are two of six Franciscans from their home in Chicago who took a rather remarkable journey this past summer. Together they walked 300 miles from Roanoke, Virginia to Washington, D.C. with no money, food, or water, and no advance provisions for shelter along the way. This morning they're going to share with us some stories of their journey. Join me in an opening, uh, let us pray. Good God, we welcome your presence here among us this morning. We gather together as pilgrims on a journey, a journey of learning, a journey of growth, a journey of faith. We come seeking your teaching, we come seeking your strength, we come seeking your light. God, you know all the secrets of our hearts, understand all our ways, and provide for all we need. We ask today for your blessing on Richard and Joshua, May their stories today provide nourishment for each of us in our journeys. We pray for our community of Goshen College. May Jesus, our divine teacher, be a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. We pray for communities the world over, particularly those affected by violence. We think especially of the people of Iraq, where our own nation has been engaged in war for seven long years. May there be an end of violence and beginning of true healing. We pray for our president, world leaders, and those surrounding and supporting them. May they make good, informed decisions. And finally, we pray for our beautiful home, for those who are harmed by environmental degradation and for all who cause it. May we change our habits and care better for our temple of the earth. Amen. Please stand and join me in song number 39 in the Sing the Story Purple Book, Will You Come and Follow Me, 39.
the journey of the Green Book, um, number 56, Make Me a Channel of Your Peace. Number 56. From the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. Jesus called the twelve together and gave them power and authority to overcome all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them forth to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the afflicted. Jesus told them, Take nothing for the journey, neither walking staff, nor a traveling bag, nor bread, nor money. Don't even take a change of clothes. Stay at whatever house you enter and proceed from there. As for those you don't, who don't receive you, leave that town and shake its dust from your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, spreading the good news everywhere and healing people. Good morning. <clears throat> so I have to say, uh, Tina's introduction was pretty, was pretty great for us, because normally the, the first questions that people have for us is, what are those two men doing in brown dresses? And what are they doing at my church? <laughs> so uh, we're Franciscan friars, as Tina said. And uh, well, I'll, I'll just tell you a little bit of what we're doing at your church. Uh, I'll read it from Wednesday, July 29th. 2009, the front page of the Washington Post. It's called, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. Friars trudge 300 miles to find kindred souls along the way. They've been mistaken for Jedi wannabes, headed to a Star Wars convention. <laughs> They've been investigated by the police, approached by strangers, gawked at from cars, 
and offered gifts of crumpled dollar bills and Little Debbie snacks. <laughs> After trekking along more than 300 miles of dusty Virginia country roads and suburban highways, six Franciscan friars reached Washington on Tuesday, having seen it all in the, the off-day modern quest for God. And then later on in the article it says, they tried to live by the ascetic rules Jesus laid out for his 12 disciples. Take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. The less they brought, they reasoned, the more room they could leave for God. So I guess that's what it's about. Part of what we're doing here is, uh, I'm a firm believer, we're firm believers that uh, the world has enough teachers, and no one really wants to listen to teachers. They want witnesses. So if we're going to teach at all and be any good at it, it's going to be only in as much as we witness. So uh, we went on this pilgrimage. It's about 300, 350 miles. And the question is, people would ask us, is, well, why did you do this? And it is part of our rule and way of life where we try to live the, the radical gospel of love and be the voice of God's love and mercy. But I think it's even more foundational is, uh, I'll give you an image. Basically, if your hands are full, how can you embrace God? And you can't give what you don't have, so how can you share God unless you embrace God? So we figured uh, we would try to live like the disciples and we'd go off and, and go on a 300, 350 mile journey without, we didn't take any food, any money, we didn't have any shelter planned, we just walked in sandals and our brown robes, and we figured if we let go, if we empty our hands, then we can have room for God. Uh, and to give you just a little insight, I don't know how many of you know this, but being that we're Franciscans, we're also uh, men, and having, being a man, it's not very easy to to not have directions and, and not have things figured out. So that doesn't change when we're in the, when the fact that most of our journey, or a good portion of our journey was in the woods and part of our letting go was letting go of control and having to have directions and knowing where we're going. So uh, a little insight for all you ladies out there. All men, if you do, you know, the genealogy, think that they are direct descendants of Rambo at some level and think that they can figure it out, you know, being left in the woods just by looking at the rocks and, the, and figuring out, you know, with the, the way the water's going. Well, that, uh, so part of our letting go was saying, you know what, I need people. I, you know, I don't even know how I'm getting to the next location. I don't know where I'm staying. I don't know what I'm going to eat. I don't know what I'm going to drink. All I know is that I'm with brothers and I have to trust in God. And that's got to be enough. Jesus tells us it's enough that if we trust in him, that God has a greater adventure for us planned than we could have ever imagined. And through our journey, we ended up, we slept on trampolines in the woods. We slept on picnic tables. We slept on the ground. We, we slept behind churches and just asked permission, you know, through prayer. Uh, we slept in people's houses. <laughs> you name it, we've, we've been there and we've done it. And we got the t-shirt. So basically... Our story is very simple. It was never really about us. 
We don't really, really have anything grand to share as in like, uh, you know, what we've learned, but uh, we've experienced that when you let go of control of all the things that you base your identity on, your faults, your successes, your need for your pride, your need to be, the, to be self-righteous and all these things, when you let go of that, you can finally embrace God. So we'll, we'll walk you into, take you through a few of those moments of grace. So walk with me here. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. Had a pretty good night's sleep. Had some food given to us to take off on part one of the day's journey. 8 o'clock. 9 o'clock, we're moving along down the road. Everything looks fine. Beautiful Virginia summer morning. If you've been to Virginia, you know it. Or any type of lush, green summer experience. 10 o'clock. We're still walking along the way with our directions that we were given by some nuns of all people, and they, goog- they Googled it, actually, and gave us some Google directions. <laughs> so, pretty advanced nuns. And uh, they, so these Google directions anticipated that we would be there around lunchtime. It's 10 o'clock, coming on 10 o'clock. All we had to do was sort of go down this little country road over this nice country mountain pass, and then boom, we're in Waynesboro, Virginia. So 11 o'clock comes, and we're still kind of walking uh, along, and uh, we haven't quite gotten to that mountain yet. And um, it's not going to be noon when we get there. It's quite obvious. It's becoming more obvious as the minutes go by. We see a black bear bound through this nice little field. Then we keep moving. It's noon. We stop for a a lunch break. Well, at lunch break, the tension started to build. We were already sort of supposed to be there already, and we weren't. And so you start, the nerves get a little frazzled on the edges. There's five of us, six of us. And um, so there we are, have our lunch, move along. One o'clock, still not there. One thirty, we get to the base of this mountain we're supposed to go over. Two o'clock, we figure out that it's a private road over the mountain and that we cannot go this way. Backtrack, about a half an hour. Two, two thirty comes along. We're already having to backtrack. The Google directions are now no good. So thank you, sisters, for providing us with the wrong way to go. And uh, so we're back into what Josh was talking about. This, this is a, not a good space for, the, for us to be in. We've been there a couple times before, but not this deep. We're in the middle of nowhere, and we had to backtrack, so we took the other side. We went up the mountain, private road, can't go that way. Came back, go the other way. We get to a, uh, this reservoir, a dead-end road. There it is. So about 3, 3.30, 4 o'clock comes on. We're at the end of this road, too. Where do we go? What do we do? Well, the next thing, we're, we're at the National Park boundary. So we're going to have to take some kind of trail up and over this mountain. Four o'clock comes along. We're all frazzled. We're tired of each other. The food's gone. The directions were kaput. We're, we have nowhere to go. And so we're just fighting amongst ourselves, basically sitting on the edge of this river, weeping, to use a biblical image. And um, so there we were. And what, lo and behold, 430 comes along and out of nowhere, this fly fisherman walks up. It's when the the light of hope that we couldn't really recognize at that point started to shine. I'm going to pause the story there. We'll come back to it. Yeah, this was a moment. These, you know, where we're lost and we have and we have nothing, and you know, we end up in the morning. We start with all this steam. You know, we're gonna we're gonna go uh, and we're and we're gonna sing and we're singing songs and we're. And then, you know, that turns to mid-afternoon to where we're not so much singing. We're kind of mumbling songs. And then, and then we're kind of praying, but now we're praying at a distance and we're, 
and, and each person is about a mile in between the other one because we just, and then we get to this place of where, you know what, God, I need you. I need you bad. Like, I really don't know what to do. I don't, I don't have it. Uh, and Richard de- described that that was uh, part of the first day, and that's, that's kind of like what it's been like letting go, opening our hands is, well, all those things that I've, you know, done in my life so far that have led me to success, I don't have those tools anymore. It's like Jesus telling his disciples, okay, go heal uh, and leave the ibuprofen here. I'm going to be enough for you to heal. So here we were on another day um, where we knew letting go, it's been our experience so far, when we let go and we let God just figure out the day for us, that it works. But the, the question of letting go also is something that maybe you, the students here, we can, we can all acknowledge. When it comes to God's response to our prayer, oftentimes we would like to give God a multiple choice test. We don't like fill in the blanks. So we say, God, you know, you could, I don't know how many times I said, you know, God, if an RV came by right now, that would be a great response. Or, you know, maybe an RV with, with a hot tub. Maybe, <laughs> maybe there's sushi in the back. I don't know. It could be. It's possible. I'm hungry. Uh, well, this happened. Uh, this was often our response, like really letting go is saying, God, anything. But that's not so easy, as we all know. So as most great stories that have... Uh, some type, have some type of tragic ending start. So there I was. Well, so there we were. We've been walking again a, a whole day, and we're on the side of a, the freeway next to a river, and we don't, you know, there's, there's only benches there. There's three benches, and there's six of us. And I don't know, you know, if, if you guys are comfortable sleeping on benches. Well, we became very comfortable. But the problem is, is the picnic tables if there's three picnic tables, six of us, it means the little guys have to sit on the butt parts, and nobody wants to sit on that, no one wants to sleep on that part because they're so small, and you can fall off very easily. So we're kind of commiserating on the fact that I'm going to be sleeping on a bench and not on the table, and, and we said, you know what, let's just spend some time in prayer. So we, we had evening prayer together, and we said, God, I need you. I don't know how this day is going to come out, how we're going to get food today. It's about five in the afternoon. It's going to get dark soon. I don't know where we're going to sleep, but we need you. We'll take anything. Oops. <laughs> and then as we're praying, you do, like, my eye opens and I see behind us, this man starts walking towards us off the highway. And he's about this tall. He's got long hair, tattoos all over his body. Let, and, me, inter- uh, let me interrupt. Hold on. Oh. He looked like he had just gotten out of prison. But the man turned out to be a Native American healer. So healing bear comes behind us, and we're praying. And, I, and that's when I did the God thing of like, God, this wasn't one of my multiple choices. <laughs> maybe, you know, may, you know, I had a lot of multiple choices, but uh, I don't think this guy's one. I'll pass. So we, we keep pray, we're praying. We're like, God, anything? Well, he comes up, and he goes, Hey, brothers. And we all look up and we say, well, hello. He goes, uh, I've been praying about you guys. 
I'd like to take you home to my house. And, uh, and I said, sure, okay. I jumped in his Jeep, and then I noticed that the group was still sitting at the table going like, uh, um. Uh, and then, they, then, they, then I saw the, the look in one of my brother's eyes that was just kind of like, you did this to us. So, we, so they all get into his Jeep, and, and we never really talked about it. We just said, yep, yeah, let's do it. He came, he offered, we can accept. And he goes, by the way, my name's Healing Bear. I live in a one-room schoolhouse on the top of the mountain. Uh, this is where I take people, and I, plunge them, and I plunge them into the waterfall, and I heal them from their diseases. And I said, oh, that's, that's, I, I like that. That's cool. Uh, he goes, I'd really like for you guys to stay at my house. And so we said, okay, let, let's do this. So at this point, we're still kind of, uh, we, we have our own biases, right? Uh, and we think, oh, the, God doesn't respond like this. You know, God responds with, with women uh, that are ni- old, nice women that have, like, cookies and stuff ready for us. Not, not with healing bear. <laughs> so... We get into his one-room schoolhouse, and, uh, and, and, and everyone's kind of like, just walk around, kind of like surveying the situation, like, check the exits, check the exits, check the exits. <laughs> we sit down, and there's, there's, native, there's animal heads on the wall, and there's all the, and, and there's, there's piles of cigarette butts everywhere, and, we're, and there's six of us, and we're all in this house, and we're thinking, okay, uh, now we need to let go. The issue is not healing bear. He took us in. We have not accepted Jesus at, We have not accepted Jesus yet. He's accepted us. Uh, so, to, to shore in the story, basically, things shifted. And it went from our own bias, our being scared, to that night we didn't go to bed. Because, not because we were scared, but because we, we were telling gospel stories and Healing Bear was playing his flutes. We ended up spending most of the night dancing and singing. And, uh, and now Healing Bear and, and us are both, we said, Healing Bear, you know what? You, now you're invited to our house, and we'd like you to come to Chicago sometime. Uh, so the next day, after kind of, after this experience, uh, we were refreshed with the fact that God will answer how God answers. Imagine, will you accept it? Or will you have that faith? So, with open hands, accepting that one. And it's had an effect on me, just to, just to say this. One, an immediate effect is Healing Bear told us the story of how he became Healing Bear. And he said, you know what, guys? I'm going to be with you on your journey. And then, uh, as we walked down, we ran into 10 black bear down the road, like, successively. And we said, oh, well, Healing Bear. Well, hello. <laughs> but... He, he said, you know, he told, he told me a bit of the spirituality and, and, and he wanted to hear about Christianity. So the effect on me is, uh, is now it just so happens that I'm getting sent uh, to, go to, to go to the Navajo Reservation this summer and, and I'm in a class of interreligious of dialogue between Native Americans and Christians and I'm thinking, and part of it was the fact that this guy showed me more about how what it meant for me to be open to people, to Christ, than I, than I could have imagined before. So this is one, this is one moment, but I'll, I'll get you back to, to where we were 
just a little while ago, waiting on the side of a river, waiting for a, when, a, when we ran into a fly fisherman. That day when we were without nothing, huh? We had a very hard time understanding or even seeing what God's response was going to be. This fly fisherman who came in a moment of severe distress gave us a map, helped us find our way, gave us the leftover snacks he had had, and it was going to be the rest of his day of fly fishing, and that was going to be what he had to eat, so he gave it all. And then we could sort of begin to see that light of hope get brighter and brighter and brighter. Well, it wasn't over yet. The adventure continues. And in the next couple minutes, I'm going to take you on a roller coaster ride of how the rest of the day went. So remember, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, quite slow. All we did was sort of move and get lost. It's 5 o'clock in the afternoon. The fly fisherman shows up. Everything starts happening. And within two hours, life's very different. Okay, so here's how it went. Fly fisherman comes out of the woods get to talking with him. He shares his map and his intelligence about the area with us. Turns out we get to the religious conversation. It tends to go there pretty quickly when you're running around looking like this. And so we get there and he's like, oh, I'm a Mennonite. I'm like, awesome. So let's talk about what that means. Josh and I at that time and the other guys, not altogether too familiar. So we chit chat for a while and he has the integrity not to just point, okay, go across the river, see that little spot in the woods there, go that way. Uh, he, he walked across the river with us and took us to make sure his directions were going to pan out for a while. And then he went about his merry way and we separated. So we climbed this Mount Doom going up in the Shenandoah Mountains over and beyond. We had to get to Waynesboro. Huh? So we get up the mountain. Meanwhile, we're still sort of frustrated, but the light was getting brighter. We're on the wrong side of the mountain, too. The sun's going down. So we get up to the top of this mountain and um, the distress continues because we see at an overlook the town is way off that way, 10 or so miles on the other side of the mountain. Not good. And sun going down, sun going down. And uh, this lady pulls up. She gives, conveniently, has a gallon of water. Who carries a gallon of water? I'm not real sure. Uh, in their car. She was packed deep with quilts um, she'd picked up. And so she couldn't take us in her car, but she gave us a 30-count box of granola bars, which lasted about 35 seconds. And, uh, <clears throat> the water went quick, and um, she roped us a ride with the next car that came by. Little Honda car. What are they? The Prius? The Prius. Yeah, yeah. Four-door little Prius. is a big man in, in there anyways. And he says, uh, she said, I can't take them. You take them down the mountain. And so he took us down the mountain. And then we get to this down into the town, Waynesboro, and of course life is looking better and better and better every second now. And it's coming so fast. It was so slow and coming, but it just rapid fire started to happen. So we get down into Waynesboro, and we go to this particular place, nobody there to take us in. And then this lady comes out of nowhere from visiting someone and says, What are you guys doing? You know, back to the religious conversation, real quick, when you're dressed like this. And then uh, we told her, she shared, well, you can come home with me. Well, thank God. So we go home with this lady, and she feeds us and takes care of us, and we bed down in her basement. That's sort of the undramatic part. That's just like the matter-of-fact sequence. So I'll flesh it out for you. The Mennonite fly fisherman comes out of nowhere, leads us up a mountain to a Catholic lady whose license plate said, Shy One. 
She gives us everything she had, ropes us a ride with this Jew who gave us a ride in his car down the mountain. While we're going down the mountain, he says, you read the, the Pope's new encyclical? It just came out this morning. I read it on the internet. No, we've been lost all day in the woods, man. <laughs> you know? This Jew who lived in a commune on the uh, eastern side of the mountain took us to Waynesboro, a town he's not familiar with, to a Catholic church he insisted did not exist. We found it. He dropped us off there. Nobody home at the Catholic church. There are very few places we find in Virginia that the church and the person who runs the church is side by side. Nobody there. So this lady comes out of nowhere and says, you can come home with me as long as you don't mind going home with a Hindu. Sure. So we go home with a Hindu, no, no questions asked. She cooks this vegetarian lasagna, chai tea in the, in the lot. And then to tap it, or top it all off, she beds us down in her shrine in her basement at the foot of the Buddha. <laughs> Mennonite Catholic Jew, Hindu Buddha. That's how God responds. And it came all within about two and a half hours. Um, boom, 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 boom. After us waiting around for ten hours, wondering with open hands what's going to happen. So that, um, when we live life open-handedly, we can receive a whole lot. If we would have had a lot of preconceived notions about what Jewish people are like, you know, even ones that read the, the Pope stuff, I don't know, and then, uh, or what Hindus are like, etc., on and on and on, we would have been stuck time and time again. We would have never gotten to interact with all those nice, kind people. And so the message, I guess, the take-home, live open-handedly, and you never know what God's going to like just kind of dump in your lap. It seemed for us, uh, you know, these, these are two stories, and those are just two days. I mean, this happened every day. Uh, the first day, we ended up sleeping in, behind a fire station on a, six guys on a trampoline in the woods on some, like, uh, in some kind of ropes course they have. They had a trampoline and said, you could sleep there. And that's when we knew. Not a good idea. Don't do it. <laughs> no, it, not good, especially if you're, uh, some of the smaller guys, you end up in the middle, you wake up in the morning and you're on everyone else's feet, or you have to hold onto the top like this so you don't get, get owned by everyone else. But it was, it was at that moment when we first started and we woke up and we didn't feel, we didn't feel like St. Francis running through the field of flowers that, uh-oh, like, this, this is real. And, uh, and you know what? I don't know what to expect. But every day was a great adventure. And that's part of it that we came to realize is when we had open hands, we could accept God's love in the variety of shapes, sizes, and colors more than we could have ever, if, if we filtered it, if we told God how to respond, gave him multiple choice and said, well, you can do this, this, or this, and I'll accept one or two of them, then it never would have worked. It never would have worked out in the sense of we would have never met Healing Bear. We would have never, we never would have gone on the, the roller coaster of, of religions and ended up sleeping at the foot of the Buddha. <laughs> it never would have happened that we slept in Baptist churches. We were taken in and went to Liberty University. That we, were, we ended up sleeping with, at houses with homeschool families of 30 kids that were over at one time. <laughs> uh, we ended up at motorcycle rallies with Harley Davidson guys. We were all over the place. But that was part of it. For, I mean, and that was part of it, as Richard said, the take-home. So I guess we'll just leave you with, with this message of, you know, from Luke 9. 
is if you're going to be sent, really, it's a matter of witnessing. To make disciples of all nations is to be a disciple in all nations. To accept, to be open to accepting God and then share, then being generous with sharing as God was generous in giving. Conclude with uh, a friend of ours who became a friend, William Wan, who wrote this article. He spent like 12 hours with us one day and then walked the last leg of the journey with us. And he averages about two hours on each article, like interviewing people, and he spent a heck of a day with us. So he, um, he writes this to conclude his article, and I think it's a fitting ending. Uh, their message is simple. Quote, Any, anything can happen when you live in the moment, one step at a time, says Mark Sainer, he's a priest who was with us. But to find that out, you have to be willing to take that first step. We're going to close with a prayer and then one more song. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for Richard and Joshua's words today. Thank you for all they have shared with us about pilgrimage. As we go out today, we pray that the God of all peace and good will be our guide and that each of us gathered here will continue with our journey, holding the teachings of Jesus close in our hearts and present in our actions. We ask this in the name of our Creator. Amen. Please stand and join me. Um, we will be singing, We Will Walk With God. Um, the words will be up on the PowerPoint, or you can turn to Sing the Journey, the Green Book, number 78. We Will Walk With God. <laughs>